Welcome back to the Sportsbeat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KUB reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by Blair Kirkhoff, columnist extraordinaire covering the Chiefs, Royals, Big 12, KU, K-State, Missouri. Did I leave anybody out, Blair? I think that about does it. I don't think I've done a sporting game this year. Okay. So, um, we, I think Sam McDowell's got that one uh, locked down pretty well. <laughs> he does have the lockdown sporting KC, and for anybody uh, wanting to get good coverage of them, uh, be sure to check out Sam's work both on Twitter and then on uh, on the Kansas City Star website. But we're going to talk KU really quickly here, Blair. Uh, KU football briefly, and then we'll get on to some basketball talk because the season's about to start two weeks away. Uh, starting to get the media days. There's uh, KU media day this week, and then Big 12 media day in a couple weeks, so we will get on to discussion of that. Before we get to that, though, uh, the Jayhawks fall at West Virginia. It is the halfway point of the season. The Jayhawks now 2-4, and four, uh, 28 or 29-point underdogs to uh, West Virginia, but end up losing 38-22. to 22. So I guess overall impressions right now, Blair, of the football program, how they did this past week and then uh, no move by Jeff Long this week uh, at least with his head coach he seems to be a guy that uh, likes to make these firings or decisions personnel decisions at the end of the season it seems like David Beatty is going to close out this season so I guess just kind of a state of the union as you see KU through one half of the season well if he does wait till the end of the season which um, and I do think a change will be made uh, they'll have the memory of a really unusual game on Saturday to, to take with them. I, I don't remember the last time I saw a game with three end zone interceptions. That, that, that's remarkable. Um, it's stunning. It, it's just too bad that Kansas isn't, doesn't have a strong enough program to take advantage of those incredible takeaways. And um, uh, they, they actually you know, hurt the Heisman Trophy chances of, uh, of Will Greer and uh, frustrated uh, the Mountaineers' offense throughout the day, but uh, but obviously couldn't couldn't take advantage of it. So leaves in the two and four, which I imagine uh, uh, maybe if you looked at the schedule in the in the preseason, you might have had Kansas at this record at, at this juncture with this record at this juncture. Um, I, uh, maybe uh, maybe a third win, uh, perhaps, but but no more than three. So. You know, basically where you where you might thought they'd be, and but but the prospects for another victory aren't aren't great right now. They won't be favored in, in any other game. So uh, I, I think this season will play out, and uh, the change will be made. And and on one of these podcasts, we'll be talking about coaching candidates for for the Jayhawks. Yeah, that could come. Well, you know, probably six weeks, like I said, Blair, because you would think that if you're going to give David Bage to this point, you're probably just going to let him ride out the season. And, you know, there are reasons to, to wait, even if you think you might make a uh, a decision on this, just because, for one, it's not likely that an interim coach would actually get the full-time gig. There's really not many candidates or good candidates on KU's uh, on KU staff, and then you know Jeff Long was brought in to bring in or to make his own hire, and so you're not really going to choose an interim candidate if you were brought in to uh, to make that sort of move. The other thing I think you spoke to it that's a little bit troubling for KU football is uh, you said the three red zone interceptions really didn't make a difference for them and the way that the way the defense has been playing didn't make a difference for them and even a, a nicely executed fake punt didn't make a difference for them and the big reason for that is this KU offense is not any good and it still remains not any good you look at some of the advanced rankings Flair and uh it's a top or I'm sorry a bottom 10 offense and what doesn't play out well for David Beatty I think in this whole thing is usually you have coaches that either have a an offense lean 
or a defense lean. And the fact that the improved unit for KU through four years has been the defense and not the offense, I think that speaks to uh, David Beatty and also him not being able to get not only the personnel and the talent, but also the schemes needed to succeed in the Big 12. And if you can't do that after four years, then uh, that might be a sign that you need to move in a different direction. Well, no doubt about it. And it's okay to be improved uh, or at least uh, accentuate one side of the ball. If it's defense, that's great. But you better have somebody who is um, competent at quarterback. And, and I'm not suggesting that the Kansas State or the, the KU quarterbacks are incompetent. I, I just, they're just not good at That offense is, has, has never been good enough. And even with even with an accomplished coordinator like Doug Meacham, it hasn't. It just hasn't worked, and uh, it, 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 it's too bad. It's um, it, it just offensive line has never come together, and, um, and not since Todd Reising has Kansas had a, a quarterback situation that you uh, that, that, you, that a, another team would would uh, would have to really game plan for and. That's going to have to be a priority for whoever comes in and, and uh, succeeds David Beatty. The other, of course, the other big clue for, uh, for, for Kansas making a change is there, what, what's their recruiting class? It's two. They've got two commitments for no, next year. No, actually, it's down to one. Uh, the commit from Bishop oh, Carroll oh, just but, visited Wisconsin this weekend and committed to them, so they have one recruit for the 2019 class. Uh, oh well, <laughs> even more so and. You know, everybody else, just about everybody else in the Big 12 would be, you know, at least halfway through, you know, recru- not recruiting, but uh, in terms of number of commitments, well into the double digits. And and uh, everybody, uh, Kansas is just, you know, anybody who's considering Kansas is on a, is a wait-and-see mode, and, and I'm sure they're going to see a, a new football coach after after this season. So that's um, – you know they, they got to play it out, and, and I always feel I always feel bad for the the, the players, their families, uh, less so the coaches, but certainly the players, the students who were involved in, in the program at times like this, because um, they, they've got to muster up the energy and the enthusiasm uh, to, to play out the string, and it's a really it's a tough. You know there'll, there'll be some very tough opponents for. For KU coming up, and um, and it's just it's not going to be much fun. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, still an at Oklahoma left, which really at Oklahoma at West Virginia would be the two big ones on the schedule you thought could be huge mismatches. Uh, for KU, if they wanted to prove that you know maybe uh, the staff deserved a little bit more, uh, a little bit longer, or 2019 season, you know they still have uh, at home against Iowa State and at K State, which. You know, on paper, you should be within 10 points, you would think, uh, of a Vegas spread on both of those. So uh, we'll, see yeah, what ha- yeah. we'll see what happens down the line. But uh, I think those are kind of the two games you would point to if you're a, a KU fan and you're looking at it and saying, hey, this might be a chance to still get a victory. Uh, those two are the best ones left on the schedule. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/slash 
Sports Pass. Blair, we're going to go from, I feel like we're talking about a funeral with KU football to maybe like a wedding or like a first communion or a baptism. Like now we can get to the excitement of, of what should be uh, KU basketball this upcoming season. And uh, as I mentioned, some of the media days coming up. But I just wonder what you thought right now of KU hoops. They're going to be number one in many of the preseason rankings out there. What do you think are the main storylines for this KU basketball team heading in to a season that should start here and or will start here in a couple weeks? Yeah, well, if you had to kind of ha- maybe a short list of, uh, you know, uh, things that I'm looking for. First of all, it, it, what's, what's amazing is you know, a final four program that loses its, you know, three of its top players, three starters for sure. Uh, is, is, is going to end up, as you say, they're going to be number one or number two in a lot of polls. And in the couple of magazines that I've seen, they, they, they are number one. And, who else can lose uh, first-team All-America, Devontae Graham, and other key players, Steve McKayluke and, uh, and, and Newman, and, and, and then become number one? It, it's because of the way that, uh, that Bill Self's staff has recruited and who they had in the program as transfers a year ago. And even though we're going to see a, a pretty much a new-look Kansas team, the, the expectations are going to soar again this year. So, I, first of all, I'm fascinated by that uh, idea that, Kansas can change its, you know, changes the, the the faces, the names on the on the jerseys, and still uh, doesn't lose a step when it comes to national perception, and that, that's amazing. But when it, as it when it comes to the, like style of play and, and what to look for, I'm I'm going to look for a team that doesn't shoot the three as well as uh, last year's team, but should be as good a rebounding team as anybody in the country, given the. Uh, you know, given who these new faces are, um, I, I'm really interested in, in, in seeing the the Lawsons and, and McCormick and, and, and how Asbuki fits into to this front court. I, I think that it's going to go back to seeing something that we saw a few years ago, and that's the one of the big strengths of this team is the front court. So, uh, so good at the boards and a little bit, not a little bit, but maybe considerably a poor shooting team. Kansas was a 40% three-point shooting team last year. I don't think that they're going to get close to that. And I, I, I want to see who develops as the shooters on, on this team. Is it, is it Grimes? Is it Dodson? Is it Moore? Uh, who, who are going to end up being the shooters on this team? Yeah, I think it's a fascinating time for Bill Self and his staff because this is a team that was maybe built for what he did, you know, five, six, ten, twelve years ago. And they would be kind of his dream team back then. And over the course of the last two years, uh, the staff has adjusted and they've evolved and they've learned to win a different way and play offense a different way. And you mentioned the three-pointers and spreading it out and, and having four guards. So I guess my question, and, and one of the things I'll be fascinated to watch throughout the course of the season is, how much of those new ideas does he incorporate into a new team that fits his old style, if that makes any sense? I mean, do you still play kind of to how they played back in 2011? Do you run much of the same, you know, ball screen offense trying to get guys angles, which is always going to be a staple of what they do. That's what Bill Self likes to do. But again, how much of the new stuff that you you did so well last year can you incorporate into there? And and how much of it is a mesh of style still? Because you did learn something in the last couple of years. You did evolve as coaches and saw that, you know, what space can do for an offense, what spacing and shooters can do for an offense and speaking to your point of shooters you know I, I would think you'd start with Charlie Moore you'd start with LeGerald Vick even a guy like Dietrich Lawson um, you know he didn't shoot it great in his last year at, at Memphis but the thing to me is 
Bill Self didn't love when guys like that shot threes in the past. You know, Perry Ellis, even when he was given the, quote, green light, I think he shot 60 maybe his senior year. I could see Diedrich Lawson shooting 100 or 120 just again because of the the change in thinking that the staff has now as it relates to spacing and three-point shooters. So I'll be fascinated to kind of see how the new and the old come together because this really does seem like an old-school Bill Self team, but can some of the new concepts help them to and help their offense as well when they're trying to do some of these new things and kind of mix them in as well? Well, he's been to the Final Four with both types of teams, right? So in 2012, with, with Thomas Robinson and Jeff Withey in the middle, you had the you had the power and the, and the shot blocking ability. And in 2018, with the the, the guard oriented space uh, team that, that created great spacing, um, you know, if, if he if he incorporates, you know, new with old, does he? I still go back to the: Is he capable of? Are, there, are these players capable of shooting it the way that he wants it done, for for it to succeed? Because it seems to me that he's going to have the bulk and the strength to to to, to bully opponents. And he, you know, I, I go back to that. Uh, I think it was the 2011 team the Morris Twins uh, had with had had T. Rob had the. Uh, you know, had, had these guys coming off the bench. I mean, they were just a big, strong team. Didn't get to a Final Four with, with that team, lost in the regional final. Uh, but they were able to push teams around. I think this team is going to be capable of doing that. Now, if uh, if uh, one of these uh, if these guards can uh, can find the stroke, then uh, they, they have the best of both worlds. What I want to know is, um, tell me about Quentin Grimes and how, you know, what kind of player is what is he going to be? How is he going to fit into this team? And just is he the next, um, you know, in the line of Andrew Wiggins and Josh Jackson, the, the next one and done in this program? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we've heard from Bill Self, who got to coach him over the summer with Team USA Basketball, saying that he can play some point guard even, which is not something you would have ever heard him say about Josh Jackson, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, all those. So he might be considered maybe more of a a 2-3 rather than a 3-4, which is what you would consider those other guys. But that's a huge question because, as you said, this guy should be a lottery pick next year. I mean, he should be one of the top picks in the draft. And yet here we are, we're talking mostly about Yudoka Azubuki and Diedrich Loss and and Legere. Vic and all these other guys that come in, you know, uh, what role does Quentin Grimes play and how big of an impact can he have? And, you know, speaking kind of merging the two together, I, it makes me wonder, too, how much uh, will they play small ball this year if they'll play it at all? It sounds like Bill Self still wants to play a little bit of it, but I mean that's kind of the question with Diedrich Lawson is can he be like a small ball four, kind of like they played the Josh Jackson role, if you figure that he can handle it enough or he can dribble enough, you know, that sort of thing. And, and that's not something he maybe would have played to with Perry Ellis, but maybe with the new offense they have, that's something that they can do is is he can kind of be in there as a as a small ball four and they play some of that offense as well. And and maybe, maybe this is kind of the... Uh, the bigger picture question I might tackle some point this year, but you know, with football in college football, especially, and we've seen the NFL too, Blair, you see it every week with the chiefs. It used to be, Hey, receiver run this route, other receiver run this route, other receiver run this route. And you, you've seen lately kind of what teams are going to is more of a a run pass option where if, if this guy does this, then you do this and you kind of have, you, you give more control to your players rather than saying, hey, this is stagnant, you have to do it this way. And, and I've seen Bill Self, I think, over the last two or three years 
become more of that type of coach. And maybe that's kind of where basketball is going is less of, hey, this is my play. You throw it here, then you throw it here, then you throw it to this guy and he gets the layup. And more like, hey, you drive. And if you see an opening, you drive. And if you don't see an opening, this guy might be here. You pass it outside for the three. And so I think we're seeing more of that in basketball and football as well, which is more, hey, it's free flowing. You give your trust in your players. You have them make simple reads and you play basketball from there. And that kind of might be more what I'm talking about when it comes to philosophically for Bill Self, that he has given his players the last two years more freedom, more independence than any other teams he's had. Does that continue when he has more of a too big offense where he would normally just say, hey, you go here, you go here, that sort of thing? I don't know. I mean, that'll be something to track over time, but he does have a lot of talent. I mean, we know that. You talked about the expectations being higher this year. I think they're absolutely higher this year because I think this is a Bill Self team. If he thought last year got high to, close to its ceiling and its ceiling is probably a Final Four team, this team's ceiling is a national championship, two or three losses in the regular season type of team. So we'll see if they can kind of bump and get close up to that. Maybe, but, but, you know, first of all, let's go back. I mean, for, for, for Kansas to, to do what you're suggesting they do, um, they may have been better equipped previously with, uh, you know, with senior point guard and Frank Mason, senior point guard and Devontae Graham. Yep. And now you're going to newcomer point guard, whoever it is. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, so um, that, that's given that, you know, giving that person a lot of responsibility or a lot of freedom um, may uh, may turn out in the end to be the right thing to do, but it, they may have to pay a price early for that. And, and I want to go back to something you mentioned a little while ago when it comes to Deidre Clawson and, and his ability to step outside and shoot. I guess I just won't forget the game that Eric Paschal for Villanova had against Kansas last year, the way that 6'9 guy went out and stepped outside and knocked down the three. And, you know, all, here's Villanova with, with a good guard play, and you expect those guys to hit the threes. But it was the big guys throughout the tournament, and especially against KU in the Final Four game that were stepping out and, and hitting the threes. And I just thought, man, that's, you get a team like that, and that's, that's, that's fairly unstoppable, as, as we saw with Villanova with two easy wins to win the national championship last year. So, um, of course, they, they had – obviously terrific guard play too and it took uh, you know uh, sort of a, a nondescript guy in, in the championship game to score 31 uh and become the final four mvps for them to win the national championship but uh but maybe kansas can can do that maybe lawson is that guy and uh, uh maybe he's their next uh, big 12 player of the year and he can average you know 18 19 points and knock down a couple of threes uh, in, in in uh you know a game for for ku this year yeah, all I know is that Bill Self is super high on Diedrich Lawson. We've heard some of the quotes saying he's one of the best passers that uh, Bill Self has ever had. We know he can score. We know he can rebound from what he did at Memphis. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to hear what he says about him, not only this week, but in the future weeks. And if I had a pick right now, I'd say Diedrich Lawson is my Big 12 preseason player of the year. Uh, Blair, would you put him up there? I guess what would the other candidates be? Yeah, I, I would. I, he'd certainly be a, a, a strong candidate for that. I, I'd, look at, I'd look down the, uh, down the turnpike. Uh, toward Kansas State and uh, look at uh, you know look at Dean Wade and Barry Brown Jr. as possibilities for that and uh, and of course West Virginia with uh, Canate what a, what a beast he is I'll never forget the game that he had against Kansas at Morgantown last year that first half anyway when he swatted away about a half dozen shots yeah in a game KU eventually won but uh, I, I think those are if, if you know if you're going outside of the Kansas team looking for player of the year type candidates. Those would be the guys, but he might have the most competition right there in his own team with, um, you know, with Quentin Rhymes or uh, Yudoka. 
Udoka, what if he, what, you know, look, he's three years into this thing. I imagine he's going to be in his best shape of, of his life and as motivated as he could possibly be. And, you know, that guy, what a beast he could be when, when his game is on. So, um, you know, this, this, this team, uh, this team is loaded. It just is. And, uh, it, I, I know, look, I, I, I love this Kansas State team coming into this year. I think West Virginia is going to be good. I think TCU um, will, will be solid. And, and Tech had their best season in uh, several years last year. Came into the field house and, and handled Kansas in the field house last year. But I, I don't want to say head and shoulders better than everybody else. But I, I go into this year thinking Kansas is uh, a definitive favorite for, for its 15th straight Big 12 championship. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you, Blair, and I think you mentioned earlier, this team reminds me of 2010-2011 with Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, the inside-outside weapons. Marcus Morris kind of played the part this year by being played by Diedrich Lawson. So, and then that team did have some perimeter shooters in Tyrell Reed and Brady Morningstar. Maybe this team can develop that, but uh, that sort of balance like you're talking about, great defensively, great rebounding-wise with a four-man who can stretch it and is kind of a playmaker on the floor, uh, that reminds me the most of this year's team. And once again, that team sailed through the regular season was a different type of Kansas team, even though they fell in the Elite Eight. So uh, it will be interesting to watch to see how this team develops and how quickly this team can come together, which against what will be a very challenging schedule from the very beginning. All right, Blair, we're going to wrap it up there. The Sports Beat KC Podcast for Blair Kirkhoff. This is Jesse Newell. Thanks for checking it out, and be sure to tune in for another episode next week.